Some of you have heard the expression, London calling, well this is Bob calling, this is my life story. I hope it entertains you because I'm sure I was entertained one way or the other, either fantastic or God know, during my life. And uh, so here goes. Well, a little bit of time marched on and uh, I joined the uh, local Cubs, uh, which is the first Armadale Scout group, eight years old. Went there with a few other kids in the street and then eventually my brother caught up with me and he started coming too. And if we managed to get any money, which in those days, at the most you'd have be a penny or, or two pennies in your pocket, which was tuppence. Today, if anyone trying to work it out, that's like one cent or two cents. <clears throat> anyway, a penny was made of copper. It's about the size of a 20 cent piece. And uh, I suppose we were a bit frivolous there with our money because we would be coming home from Cubs and we'd be walking down the tram track, would you believe? High Street, Armadale. No cars anywhere. It'd be probably about half past eight, nine o'clock at night. And um, we saw a tram coming, we would put a penny on the tram track and uh, stand and wait on the footpath to, and the tram would go over the penny and you wouldn't believe the noise it made. It, it, as each wheel that went over it would go bang, 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 each wheel and of course the penny would be absolutely flattened by the time you got the penny back. Anyway, um... We, um, my, my, my mum was, um, uh, on the, uh, what you call the Mother's Club Committee, um, she was the secretary and, and, uh, raising money for a new scout hall, because we, we met in the local Presbyterian Church Hall, <clears throat> and, um, a little bit of a story about that later on. Anyway, um... So yeah, mum was quite busy, you know, with a little job on the on the committee there. And um, in uh, 1954, <coughs> Tattersalls, uh, which operated out of Hobart in those days, and there was a ten thousand pounds, that's twenty thousand dollars, ten thousand uh, pounds draw. So you went and bought a ticket, and you were in the draw for ten thousand pounds, and a lot of other prizes too. They, it's not like today. It, 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 hundreds of five-pound notes and ten-pound notes and, and so on. Anyway, um, in 1954, they moved from, from uh, Hobart to Melbourne. And, of course, it was all very interesting on the first draw in Melbourne to see who won it. Well, you wouldn't believe it. It was won by a very rich man who had a hosiery business. Jewish, I've got nothing against Jews, but he was Jewish and my dad happened to be painting his house. It wasn't very far from where we lived. Now, the division of High Street, Armadale, <clears throat> on one side was the wealthy and the other side were the poor buggers like us. We lived on the wealthy side and uh, my dad come home and we're having tea and, and he said, oh, he said, um, Mentioned the gentleman by his name, which I can't remember. Um, he he's the man who won tats, ten thousand pounds. 
and he said gave me a couple of pair of socks because he won the ten thousand pounds and he pulled them out of his pocket and handed them to mum over the table and and she took one look at him and she said they're seconds no doubt about him he wasn't going to give too much away you're going to hang on to that ten thousand pounds anyway um as my um Mum was on that committee, though, uh, at, the, at the Scouts, there was a, um, a fete coming up, or a bazaar, or whatever you like to want to call it, and we used to hold it in the Prantown Hall, another method of raising money for the Scout Hall, and so they used to have a, a, a grocery section, everyone donated groceries, and, and they all went on a big table, and people would come in and, and, and buy the groceries, and uh, so Mum said, well, look, take a note. Take my little shopping jeep and go round to the to the, the where Dad's planning the house and uh, see the uh, the gentleman's wife. Give her the note and she might make a donation. So um, we went round there and she said, "Oh, she said I've got some homemade jam." She said. Anyway, she literally filled the jeep. There must have been I don't know ten, fifteen big brown jars of jam so excitedly we rushed home with them and look mum look what we got look what we got and mum pulled one jar out no label pulled another jar out no label none of the jars had labels on them so she thought well i'll open up one of the jars and see what sort of jam it is and then i'll label the whole lot couldn't get the lids on the lids were rusted onto the jars so, they were very generous people, weren't they? Anyway, um, the Scoutmaster, his name was Harry Hayter, better known as H.H., and was older rather than younger, and he was a great bloke. He really was a great bloke. He he was a um, person who was well-versed in the bush. He knew his way around the countryside, there was no question about that. Uh, it was a person that was able to hypnotise people, which uh, uh, did happen. And um, he was a very wealthy man. He was a, um, a government architect, he was a single bloke, lived with his sister and her husband. Uh, it was his house. Uh, he lived in Haverbrack Avenue, Malvern. Anyway, um, Harry, he would have every Saturday either a half day trip somewhere or a full day trip and he would ask us on the night we went to the scouts or cubs where would you like to go a half day trip or a full full trip anyway we'd tell him and it was a um always met on the Armadale Bridge tram stop. If it was a half day trip he charges sixpence. It was a full day trip. He charges a shilling. And I'll tell you what, we went to a lot of places for sixpence. You got no idea. That was very, very cheap. Some of the trips we did. I do remember a full day trip. <coughs> cost us a shilling. We took uh, our uh, backpacks with um, food in it. And we caught a train to Melbourne. Armadale and then from Melbourne to Reservoir and that was the end of the electric line then in those days and 
from there we caught the motor rail and we went out to South Marang, which was the countryside, and we got off South Marang and we walked through uh, a valley uh, to the Diamond Creek Station. And in that valley was a, uh, a, a river running, running through there. Um, oh, golly, I just can't remember the name of that river. But anyway, along the riverbanks, there was evidence of where gold miners had been and um, their huts were still there, uh, their cradles, a lot of their gear was still there, um, little bunks in the, in the huts where they used to sleep. It's incredible because it was just no one, no one ever went there except us, really. Anyway, <clears throat> we, would, we would camp there <clears throat> for lunch. We would drink the water out of that river and uh, we would uh, light a fire and cook some food and that was our lunch. And then we would head off to Diamond Creek Station and we'd catch the train at Diamond Creek, uh, bring us back to Melbourne, back from Melbourne, back uh, to Armidale. And they were long trips. We quite often got home at six o'clock at night. So, uh, you know, for a shilling, that was incredible. He would have had to put his hand in his pocket um, to make up some of the some of the money. There's no way known we could have gone all the way to South Morang and, and on Diamond Creek and 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 back uh, for for a shilling. Even even though things were cheaper in those days. Um, Anyway, um, he he would then say, "Well, if you'd like to come to my place tonight, I'll put on some films." And he had he had um, he actually had two movie cameras, um, and uh, two two different kids in the group would would film us all. Uh, whatever we were doing, we were constantly being filmed in color, and uh, at the once every 12 months, he would put on a film night and show all the parents all those trips and, and our scout camp, um, which was all very interesting, you know. So um, he, he would then, at his home on that Saturday night, <clears throat> he would hire well-known shows which were popular at the time, including cartoons and that up his screen and projector in his lounge room and we would watch these shows. Not too many people in those days had access to this type of entertainment. So we would walk to his place, watch the, watch the movies, uh, and they'd be Laurel and Hardy, um, all, all sorts of films like that. Um, uh, I want to think of another one, um, a little bloke with a little mo and he's walking sick. Um, and of course the cartoons, and uh, yeah, I mean he had to put his hand in his pocket to go and hire all that as well. Underneath his house, <coughs> which was quite high at the back, he had all our camping gear, and each uh, each group of scouts um, or troop, I think it's called uh, patrol. I'm sorry, each patrol. Um, had their own box, and everything was in that box. They had a very large box, um, and they had you know a complete tent and all the cooking gear and all the rest of it. And he kept all that under his house, 
Um, so we we went on scout camps and uh, at Christmas time and at Easter time. And one I can really remember was um, uh, going to a place called Gould, which was on the Tyers River. And that's out from Maui, I think about 15k or so out from Maui. Today it's an, un, underneath a reservoir. But it was <coughs> a um, top of a mountain which had been um, a hollowed uh, uh, out over the years, over the thousands of years, um, by being a volcano. And the Tyres River ran into that, uh, into that top of that mountain, run round the edge, and back out again. And uh, on one side you had almost a sheer rock wall all the way around, and then uh, there was this sort of big, sort of grassed area that sort of run down in, inside it, and that's that's where we used to camp. Absolutely brilliant, but now. It's underwater. So we would go there. Um, the local uh, train that used to run through there was called the Coffee Pot, which is um, similar, if not the same, as Puffing Billy. It was still running then. And the girls' station master uh, would get his little motorised trolley out and um, we would run down um, all our bags on his little trolley, make a few trips. And uh, go and set up set up camp. We were just like the army, you know. We had absolutely like they were army tents. Uh, so each patrol had to have a had a, a dining fly out the back, and uh, you had to you had to you had a quartermaster's tent. So you had to go and get your provisions for the day, and uh, cook all your own food, um, which which we did. And when I say cook your own food, I'm talking about boiling corned beef and potatoes and peas. You know, we were really well fed. And um, <clears throat> you know, then uh, he might have a, um, uh, a bonfire during the night and he would tell scary stories. And um, he would stand there and we'd all be frozen to the spot sitting around the, the bonfire while he told us all these scary stories. And uh, we would be having um, uh, a hot milk drink, uh, like Milo or something, something, something like that. And then we'd be off to bed. We all slept in our um, in our uh, uh, sleeping bags, and because we never had a lot of money, uh, my family. So my mum used to get two blankets, and she used to stitch them down the side. She had a professional uh, uh, sewing machine. And she'd stitch them down the side and across the bottom, and that was our sleeping bag. And I can tell you, they were bloody freezing sleeping in there. It was just to get pretty cold during the night, you'd wake up absolutely shivering. Nowhere near as good as a sleeping bag. But anyway, that's 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 what we had. Well, one camp, uh, we were cooking um, our corned beef, and we're taking the corned beef out, and we're going to. Put a stick under the handle of this big Dixie, they called it, the big oval billy. Probably held a couple of gallons of boiling water. And uh, this other kid and myself put the stick underneath it, and we're taking it off the fire, and we're going to go and tip it out. 
um, you know, into the bush. And we had an accident. It tipped all over my foot. And uh, I finished up with third degree burns. I took off like a rocket. And uh, I, uh, I eventually stopped and uh, the um, scoutmaster um, hypnotized me uh, and put me off to sleep. And while I was out, he told me I would never feel any pain. And I finished up in the Maui uh, Bush Hospital. And um, I had an auntie who lived in Maui, and, and, and she came down to the hospital. And, and uh, when they left there, they, they packed her up with a whole heap of stuff that had to be, um, uh, my foot had to be dressed every day. And they, they told her, well, it'll probably be pretty sore when you're doing that. Well, never ever was. So the, the hypnosis really, really worked. Mm -hmm.